Plane Crazy Down Under's coverage of the Australian International Air Show is proudly brought to you by Aviation Advertiser, Australia's largest aviation marketplace. Make buying and selling aircraft easy by doing it online. Visit aviationadvertiser.com.au today. Well, day, folks, and welcome back to Playing Crazy Down Under, episode 57, Avalon Quickcast number four. Grant, we're standing here in the keyhole here yep. at Avalon Airport today. That's right, mate. We're in the large, round, uh, square-shaped tarmac that uh, Papa Smurf and Taffy look after. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, packed full of hardware. It's got B1, it's got two C-17s, it's got two F-22 Raptors. It's got the uh, CASA CN-235, I think it is, and the uh, Spartan C-27J, which is uh, the little baby Hercules, two engines, and uh, goes on its back. It's amazing. That guy does barrel, not even barrel rolls, they're aileron rolls. There's not even a positive 1G. He's pulling negatives as he goes over the top there. Uh, we also have the Haas contingency with uh, the Constellation and the uh, Catalina and a Dakota. So uh, the, and the Neptune and a C-130 just pulled up to drop off a whole lot of people. So it's quite all go here in the uh, in the uh, keyhole. And uh, yeah, we've just uh, had a pretty good chat with a couple of guys from a B-1B, haven't we? Yep. In fact, we're standing right next to that uh, B-1 right now. It's an amazing looking machine. It's uh, a lot bigger than you can than you would imagine it being uh, from seeing it on the television. It's absolutely huge. Now, uh, the uh, thing about uh, day four here at Avalon, of course, is that it's uh, only half trade day today, and it's uh, after 2 p.m. It's the uh, first of the uh, open to the public sessions. So. Uh, uh, yeah, Grant, there's a lot of extra people here now. There's a lot of uh, contractors that have got uh, complimentary passes and stuff, I think. So uh, a lot more people here today, but I think after 2 p.m. it's uh, it's going to get really busy. And, of course, we've got the night show here tonight, uh, you know, which uh, should be quite impressive. In fact, we've heard a whisper that, uh, seeing as we haven't got an F-111 anymore to do a dump and burn, that the uh, the B-1 is, in fact, going to go through on full afterburner. Yeah, it's going to do a ta- full afterburner takeoff tonight, apparently. But, uh, mate, there's a lot of uh, people down out here that are really young and or really not quite looking like their uh, contractors to the industry but uh, they sort of turn a blind eye to that to get uh, allow the people in to start having a really good time uh, get to enjoying a lot of the hardware so you're right the numbers are up but uh, mate very special thing about today is that uh, we've dragged a certain wonderful guy from behind the camera to come and talk with us and that's Stephen Pam. Hi there guys Uh, actually speaking of the B1 uh, I was standing behind it uh, yesterday when it um, did a full afterburner takeoff. Well, not directly behind it, fortunately, <laughs> but um, behind it and to the side, at the side of the runway, the uh, photographer's point there. And I tell you, the heat uh, off that thing, uh, quite apart from the noise, which you, you expect, but the uh, the heat off it is incredible. It was like standing in front of a heater, a very, very noisy heater that uh, that breathes fire and uh, drops bombs. So, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. And uh, we're very lucky to have Stephen with us. He's uh, been with us all four days of the show so far. He won't be with us on the weekend. He's going off to have a life. But uh, Stephen's been busy taking still photos and putting them up online. A lot of you have been following those on his uh, Flickr feed. And he's also been uh, taking the videos and he's the, he's the brains behind our daily video updates. So today's one was the last one that we're going to produce. So don't blame me if the guys look bad. I did all I could. Yeah, it's pretty positive that uh, we should stick to doing audio, I think, because I hate seeing my big ugly mug on the, on the screen, but there you go. There's only so much, so many filters that Steve can apply to the uh, video. Yeah, so. I can't filter the video at all. It's rather frustrating, actually. <laughs> yeah, Stephen has control of the video, not Steve. But uh, as you can hear behind us right now, there's a 747-400 from Qantas. Uh, he just took off and did a couple of flybys and, uh, while we are talking to the B1 guys. And it uh, looks like he's coming back in. They're probably going to tow him back up to the corner space up the other end, the maintenance area. 
Okay, so in this episode, uh, we're going to have another quick cast, of course, or a uh, quickish cast, or not such a long cast, we've decided, because they're all coming out around 40 minutes. But uh, this time we're going to have fast and slow. We've just been speaking to the uh, the B1 bomber crew, so we'll put that one into this one. And uh, just for a bit of a change of pace, Grant, we'll have a chat to the uh, Royal Australian Air Force uh, hot air balloon pilot today. That's right. There's three guys in the Royal Australian Air Force, and uh, Squadron Leader O'Donnell is the only one who is a regular full-time and not a reservist. But, uh, yeah, he's flying a lot of aircraft and, and rotary with uh, with the RAAF, and now he's playing with balloons. Well, so. hot air balloons and the B1s do have something in common. They both breathe fire, but apart from that, uh, a little bit <laughs> different pace isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice comment, mate. Nice one. I think if you drop the bomb out of that hot air balloon, you might have a bit of uh, trouble with egress is what I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, no, you can drop the bomb out of the balloon, but then the problem is the balloon will be going vertical real quick <laughs> with all that ballast gone. But okay, yeah. folks, uh, well, let's kick it off from here. Let's go into our first interview. That'll be with the, uh, the crew of the B1. Heath and Dave, welcome to Plane Crazy Down Under, gentlemen. Great, and, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having us. No worries. And uh, Heath, we'll start with yourself. If you could give us your name and where you're from. Sure, it's uh, Heath Miller, yeah. and I'm from uh, Denver, Colorado. Okay, and uh, you're a major? Uh, yeah. Major in the United States Air Force. Cool. And how long have you been in the Air Force? I've been in the Air Force for about 11 years. Cool. And what made you join the Air Force? Uh, my grandfather was in the Air Force during World War II. Okay. Uh, so I always wanted to serve my country. Yep. I thought this was the best way to do it. Okay. And did you learn to fly in the Air Force? I did. Yeah. Okay. It was basically the first time I flew in an aircraft was in the Air Force. So. Okay. Cool. And uh, Dave, mate, tell us your rank and where you're from and yeah. your name. Uh, Dave Grosso from Niceville, Florida, captain. Okay. And how long have you been in the Air Force, mate? I've been in about eight years. Okay. And did you? what made you go to the Air Force? Uh, my dad was a pilot in the Air Force. Uh, he flew F-111, so I figured it was a okay. looked like a pretty good job. So, <laughs> following his footsteps. So you've gone from one swing wing to another? That checks. Cool. So uh, did you learn to fly before or in the Air Force? Uh, just when I got to the Air Force. Went to pilot training and, and okay. went from there. Okay. So Heath, uh, what kind of aircraft have you flown and roughly how many hours you got? I've uh, flown a uh, T-34, yep. which is a Navy trainer, yep. uh, T-1. Yep and uh, T-39, which okay. is another Navy aircraft, Okay. and then uh, to the B-1, okay. and uh, roughly about 2,000 hours. So what are you doing with, uh, na- with Navy aircraft and you're learning in the Air Force? Well, believe it or not, uh, NAV training okay. uh, for the United States Air Force uh, begins with the Navy, or at least it used to. Okay. Yep, so I spent about a year and a half in Pensacola uh, getting my navigation wings and then went to the Air Force. Did you cop a lot of flack for that? Uh, yeah, you get a little bit of grief, but uh, <laughs> all, all the backseaters came from the Navy, so okay. not, not that much. Okay. How about yourself, Dave? I've flown uh, T-37s, T-38s, and then the B-1. Okay. So I've got about 2,000 hours in the B-1, about 100 in each of the other aircraft. Okay. Excellent. So, uh, mate, let's talk about the B-1. Now, you sit in the back, and I take it you're sitting up front. Right. Okay. So let's start at the back, and uh, what kind of equipment? You don't really have much of a view there. That's one of the smallest windows I've seen. It's even smaller than it. Yeah, we we like to call it the day-night indicator. Yeah. I can can tell you if it's day or night, and that's about it. That's about it, it. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, uh, but uh, we have some good sensors back there, radar yeah. and yeah. Uh, sniper pod. Okay. Uh, so TV and IR. Yep. Uh, so we can't really see out the window, but we can we can see a lot of stuff on the ground. You see way better than you could out the window. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now uh, you're sitting back there, and these these hot shots up the front are throwing it around the place. Uh, how do you go for uh, like you know motion sickness and all that? You're you're looking at a oh, screen, you're being bounced around the place. It, it's not too bad. You get used to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first couple of rides in the B1 in the back is uh, definitely an experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got sitting there with. We, the uh, every once in a while, we'll put the pilots back there just to give them oh, g- give them a treat. That's evil. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you have you had the back seat ride? Yeah, I've flown on the back seat a number of times. It's yeah. I, I do all right back there. Some yeah. some guys can't handle back there, but. 
has that given you a better perspective on how to give us a, a smoother ride for the backseat guys, or is it like, ah, oh, what the heck, we just fly it? Well, you, you kind of learn that if uh, if these guys are, are sick back there, you know, if you're flying that aggressively that they can't perform their job, then you're really not an effective, yep. you know, bomber at that point. Good point. Uh, so you got you got to keep all crew members involved. Okay. Uh, and up to speed. Okay. So what other gear have you got back there, Heath? Uh, we have a uh, full defensive system yep. uh, with shaft and flares okay. and uh, a jamming radar. Yep. Uh, basically keeps the aircraft safe okay. um, from any threats out there that are trying to shoot us down. Okay. Now you, there's two of you in the back, so do you share the load? Right. You... Yeah, we're, uh, we're fully qualified in either seats. Okay. Uh, the left seat's uh, defensive okay. and the right seat's offensive, so dropping the bombs and navigating yep. the aircraft. Okay. And I understand you've got a, uh, have you got individual ejection seats in these ones? We do. Each yeah. each uh, each person has an ACES uh, yeah. two ejection seat, basically the same thing as uh, F-16. Okay. Um, we just got a slightly tighter spot yeah. when we eject. <laughs> and you're not quite reclined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not quite as comfortable. Okay. How's the view up front? Uh, the view up front's pretty good. You can see the, uh, yeah. we, we got good visibility out the front. Uh, can't actually check six yourself, so you need yeah. someone else to look behind you. But uh, you got pretty good visibility up front. Okay. And what systems have you got up there? Uh, really up front, all it is is it's just pilot type stuff. So, okay. you know, I've got the, the throttles. I, I can't actually even see the radar up front. So I'm running the radios. I'm, I'm running the uh, just the actual flying flying yeah. the jet. Uh, and then when it comes down to uh, flying terrain following, I've got a big display on, you know, flying low level 200 feet uh, at night in the weather at 540 knots. I've got all the displays up there to make sure I don't hit a mountain. Yeah. Um, so and it, it, it all kind of runs through the radar, which they're working in the back, and then it displays uh, the terrain in front of me so I know where to go. Okay. How does she handle? Uh, flies flies pretty well. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a big giant plane. Uh, it looks like a fighter. It, it flies close to how a fighter flies. Uh, it just can't bend the corners and turn as tight. Okay. Have you got control over the geometry? Do you have a, a swing position or does it automatically done? Right. The, the wings are actually manually positioned. Okay. So so I pick where I need the wings at depending on what, what airspeed I'm going and, uh, yeah. and, and what I'm planning on doing. Okay. Okay, so uh, we're talking about there's a crew of four on board the aircraft. I'm wondering how the uh, train of command inside the aircraft is organized. Who's in command? Who's calling the shots? Uh, it's, it's an interesting mix of the B-1. So uh, you'll have an aircraft commander. He's ultimately, ultimately responsible for safe operation of the airplane. So he's responsible for making sure that everyone makes it home safely. Uh, now you've also got another guy designated as the mission lead. It could be that aircraft commander. Yep. It could be one of the Wizzos who's the mission lead. Okay. They're responsible for the actual mission of employing the jet, making those decisions on, you know, on making sure we get to the targets on time, we get everything done. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's a little balance in there. Uh, when it comes to safety of flight, you've got the aircraft commander. When it comes to the actual mission, yep. uh, it just depends on who's the most experienced person and who's designated to be the mission lead on that sortie. Okay. Are you able to tell us about some of the missions, uh, mission profiles, what kind of things you've been doing? We're actually, uh, I'm in a training squadron and then uh, Heath here, he's in a test squadron. So okay. we, we do um, really different things. He's, he's developing the new stuff for the jet uh, and I'm actually training the students uh, okay. to fly the B-1. So I've got about 2,000 hours. I've flown uh, about 1,000 of that in combat and then I got put back into the, the schoolhouse there to train the new guys to, uh, okay. to be the next generation of B-1 pilots and whistles. And what have you got in the way of training gear? Like, have you got a full motion simulator or anything like that? Yeah, there's actually, we've got two full motion simulators. Uh, they, they link up together so you can fly formation uh, in the simulator. Uh, nice. it's, it's really good training. Okay. And I take it you've got simulators for your stations and things like that? Yep. Yeah, it's basically the same in the back, uh, basically connected and fly just like you would in a jet, except okay. uh, not quite as much motion going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that, the, you can only really get an experience with that in the in the wild, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, definitely. The hands-on is the best way to get it up yep. in the air, but yep. uh, the simulator is a, a nice way to uh, to get familiar with how everything works and okay. to get the crew 
crew thing going on. Okay. And we're talking about the types of missions that you do. Are they? Is the aircraft normally used on, on short missions or is it a long-range missions that it's used? And if that's the case, what sort of creature comforts do you have inside there? Do you have restrooms and uh, food facilities, that sort of stuff? Uh, I would say uh, average sortie, probably anywhere from 10 to 16 hours, cool. at least uh, operational type sorties. Uh, it, it's real tight up there. You can see from basically the windscreen back to the uh, day-night indicator there. Mm -hmm. That's pretty <laughs> much the uh, crew compartment. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's pretty, pretty small. We do have a little galley. Uh, so we do have a, a bit of a restroom um, in there. Uh, so you can actually get out of your seats and move you back. Can get out and stretch out a little bit. But that's okay. that's pretty much the extent of extent of the comfort. Because we were asking the Raptor guys about how they were when they got to the end of the flight after you know 11 hours in the cockpit, yeah. not and they got less room than an F-15 they used to have, so they can't even stretch. And uh, they would say, yeah, it is interesting getting out. Although one did quip that if they had a beer down the bottom of the ramp, the ladder, he'd be down <laughs> in seconds. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> I think that's pretty standard for anyone. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cool. talk about what we can see on the outside of the aircraft. Uh, obviously, this aircraft is extremely noisy when we've heard it go past. So, uh, what sort of engines do they do they run in it? Uh, we've got four GE engines, uh, essentially the same engine that the F-16 runs, the uh, the Block 50. Okay. Uh, so each one about 30,000 pounds of thrust yeah. uh, in in max AB. Uh, they they put out a, a lot of thrust when you're low level. So yeah. when doing the, the air show flybys, the jet will accelerate really fast with those motors. Okay. Um, and the motors, the jet was actually designed to fly low level. Yeah. Um, so that's really when it's it's in its environment when you're you know 500 feet above the ground uh, yeah. where the air is really thick. The jet really wants to perform up there. Okay. Wow. So uh, most jets, they, you know, they want to go high. They want to get into the rarefied air and lean right out and go for it. But this this baby loves it down low, huh? Yep, it, it likes down low. Uh, you, you get up too high and, and it doesn't really perform as you'd expect. You know, you can sweep the wings back and get going really fast, uh, but low level is really what the jet was designed for. Yeah. Uh, so we've now kind of morphed into, we're going to fly medium altitude, yeah. uh, and we've adapted to it pretty well, but the actual design is for uh, for low level. Okay. I take it you got some uh, good soundproofing in there because it's very noisy out here. Uh, how is it inside? It's, uh, it's still really loud. Uh, we normally wear uh, helmets or headsets yeah. with, and then additional ear protection above that. Okay, so like, so like in, in the air? Yeah, as you wear the uh, the foamy earplugs and yeah. then put uh, like your helmet on top of that. Yeah. So. So, so just like a combat jet where they do the same kind of thing? Yeah, yeah so okay. it's, it's actually, the noise inside the jet is not from the motors. It's actually from yeah. the, uh, all, all the stuff needs cooling. So you've got all okay. the circulating air, these blowers, yeah. and all that stuff is really what you hear. All the, all the noise coming out of the motors, that's you know that's that's yesterday. That's last week. It's behind you. You don't you don't hear that. Yeah. But you hear all kinds of other jet noise uh, inside okay. the jet. Plus, I'd imagine the uh, slipstream over the over the cockpit and all that would be, uh, you know, the airflow and all that. And, you know, actually, it's it's pretty quiet. It's not you don't get any wind noise really uh, okay. that I've ever really seen. Okay. So even at 600 knots, you don't really get the wind noise, but you got enough other noise that yeah. maybe it's there and you just can't tell. <laughs> yeah, it's being drowned out. Cool. Now, well, let's talk about the types of weapons that you'd carry. Obviously, you're down low level, so uh, that would have some sort of. Uh, determining factor in what sort of weapons you'd carry on the aircraft? Well, we can uh, we can drop weapons low level, uh, Mark 82 high drag uh, weapons, you can drop 84 of those. Um, but then really, uh, what we're doing now is dropping medium altitude, dropping more of the guided weapons. Okay. Uh, and, and Heath, uh, he's the guy who actually drops all the weapons and, and runs that system, so all of them kind of go into uh, the weapons that we carry there. Yeah, we, uh, we carry the 2,000 pound JDAM, so yep. a GPS uh, guided weapon, yep. and also a 500 pound variant of that. Okay. Um, with basically all the all the fuses uh, you could ever want. Yeah. Uh, that that's majority of what we're dropping. We also we're, we're capable of carrying a JASM. Yeah. Which is a, a longer range. Yeah. You know, about 300 miles uh, yep. plus type missile. Okay. And uh, we're currently working on uh, working on a laser JDAM. Okay. 
So being able to employ that on, uh, which is going to work really well for moving targets. No, definitely. Do you do anything with uh, cruise missiles? Uh, nope, never, okay. never carried a cruise, uh, okay. at least on this aircraft. We used to carry Alcoms uh, yep. back in the day, okay. uh, but no longer. Cool. And these aircraft have been in service uh, since the 1980s. Uh, how long has it envisaged? Uh, do you know that they're going to keep them in service? They'll still be in for some time. I think the latest number I've seen is 2040. Okay. Uh, it's kind of the estimate on, on when they're going to start phasing them out. Okay. So still, still got a while to go. Yeah. 30 oh, more years. Great. Well, it's an amazing looking aircraft, gentlemen, and we really appreciate you spending some time to uh, let our audience uh, know about uh, some of the fantastic features of this aircraft. We don't get to see it very often here in Australia, so we appreciate you bringing it down for us. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks. Great to meet you. Thank you very much. Whether you're buying or selling a light single-engine aircraft or a corporate jet, do it faster and easier with aviationadvertiser.com.au. Aviationadvertiser.com.au is Australia's largest aviation marketplace. As the country's largest source of aircraft classifieds, you'll find hundreds of new and used aircraft of all types online 24 hours a day. With ads from just $39 and the convenience of buying and selling online, it's easy and affordable. Connect with Australia's largest buy and sell aviation community at aviation. This Avalon QuickCast episode is brought to you by Red Baron Adventures and Advanced Flight Training. Whether it's the ride of your life or taking your skills to a whole new level, Red Baron's professional staff of skilled pilots can take you to the limits. Go to www.redbaron.com.au for more details. Tembi Automotive Service and Eltham are committed to excellence. Proud winners of the 2010 Repco National Dealer Award, Tembi Automotive have been servicing the Eltham community for over 21 years. For all your vehicle servicing needs, call 9439 7574. Pilot Stu here of the Pilot's Journey podcast, and you're listening to Plane Crazy Down Under's coverage of the Australian International Air Show, recorded live at Avalon 2011. Now back to Grant and Steve. Squadron Leader Phil O'Donnell, welcome to Plane Crazy Down Under, mate. Oh, thanks very much for having me. Phil, you're the uh, RAAF's balloon pilot, is that correct? That's right. I'm one of three, but I'm the only permanent Air Force uh, balloon pilot in the team. Okay. So let's start right from the beginning. What got you into aviation? I lived in the uh, flight path for Brisbane Airport, so I was uh, I grew up watching F-111s and Iroquois and uh, all the commercial aircraft uh, heading out into Brisbane, and and uh, I guess it started from there. And uh, how, so, did you go straight into the Air Force to learn to fly with them? No, I had uh, several jobs. I was jack of all trades, master of none. Before I got in, uh, one year I think I actually had seven group certificates, but uh, <laughs> for the selection board, I called them life experiences rather than a lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I joined in tw- when I was 23. Years old. Okay. And uh, did you go straight in as pilot? Uh, Director entry pilot. Yep. So uh, it's about 12 weeks at the time at Point Cook doing officer training and yep. then through one FTS uh, here at Point Cook and then over to Pierce for the advanced flying training. So okay. I graduated in 91 okay. and ended up back here in Victoria up at uh, East Sale flying the HS748 as oh, my okay. first posting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Hawker Sidley. Um, the Draggy. Uh, draggy, yeah. yeah. That's the one. That's, that's used for uh, training navigators, radio operators. Uh, yeah, it was uh, primarily when I was there training navigators. Yeah. Uh, but before that, we had uh, two separate models uh, there at the time and yeah. two of them were ex VIP squadron. Okay, yep. Uh, aircraft and we did a little bit of uh, trash hauling, yep. but primarily uh, it was the training of the navigators. Okay. Cool. So uh, trying not to let them get you lost, right? Yeah, <laughs> just following their directions to a point. <laughs> Up until you point out that's a rather large mountain in front of me. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, from after the HS748, uh, any other fixed wing or rotary flying you've done? Well, from there I went over to the uh, PC9 uh, as the OPSO at Central Flying School, also at Sale, okay. uh, where I consolidated a bit uh, of PC9 flying before I then went on to become an instructor uh, on the PC9. Okay. Back over to Pierce again. Yep. Uh, after a little while over there, I had a uh, crack at the fast jet world, yep. uh, but uh, yeah, it didn't quite make okay. the uh, make the cut there. But moved on uh, to Tamworth, where I instructed again, but on the CT4 this time. Yep. Uh, from there over to Malaysia uh, okay. to their uh, flying school. Yep where I flew on the PC-7 and then came back to Australia and went to a loan posting with the Army to fly the Iroquois for three years. Oh, wow. Before back down to Sale to fly the King Airs and up to Canberra where I uh, spent a short time on the Boeing business jet, uh, 34 Squadron, uh, before uh, coming over to the balloon on promotion. Wow, that is quite a lot of diverse flying there, mate. Yeah, I've I've got a broad spectrum of experience. so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting challenge the last yeah. 20-something years. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the inevitable question, why did you get into ballooning? Well, one of the earlier balloon pilots I used to fly with at uh, yeah. 32 Squadron, yeah. uh, and uh, he brought the balloon down to sail many years ago, uh, and uh, I thought, oh, this, this looks all right. Yeah. Uh, it just took me about 15 years to get there. Uh, but it, there was the option to fly the balloon came up at yeah. the... Uh, I, I, at the point where I was promoted uh, to squadron leader and I just thought, well, this is a golden opportunity to do something I've always wanted to do. Yep. And it also completed the trifecta for me, I guess. It was yeah. uh, fixed wing rotary and now the hot air balloon. Yeah, no, definitely. You've covered them all. So uh, uh, how'd you go about uh, getting up to speed on balloons? Did you go through the Australian Ballooning Federation? Or? We do our training through and certification through the Australian Ballooning Federation because it's a bit of a unique beast, the, uh, the balloon. So Air Force is uh, smart enough to say we're not not the subject matter experts let's go to those that are yep. in this this area so as a result we uh, do all our training and everything through the uh, Australian Ballooning Federation yep. and we use commercial instructors and one of the most experienced instructors in ballooning we believe uh, is John Wallington yes. um, and so he does all our training primarily okay. uh, if he's not available we use one of his uh, other pilots who's also yep. a commercial instructor uh, okay. to, to do our training so we don't have the the core experience yep. so we go to those that do and yep. John's been flying balloons uh, for a very long time yeah, a very yep. long time yeah I haven't actually met John yet but uh, have heard a lot of him so uh, cool okay and uh, so for how, how long did it take you to get your uh, private work you've worked up to your commercial balloon yeah no we, we don't necessarily uh, go for commercial ballooning okay. we, we primarily concentrate on the uh, Australian Ballooning Federation uh, side yep. of things yep. uh, because we don't have a commercial requirement yep. to, uh, to actually fly. Okay. Um, at some stage, if, if you're there in, with the balloon long enough, it, yep. it's good to be uh, trained to the commercial standard because yeah. there's another core sort of five, six hours of training that you yeah. get to do which develops your skills further. Yeah. So um, I, I'd like to do it, but if the opportunity doesn't happen, then we, we stick with the basic private pilot certification through the ABF. Okay. Did you do that in an intense uh, like couple of weeks of, tra- of training and flying or did it spread over time? Yeah, an intense two-month period <laughs> where we did uh, 16 hours of uh, flying. Yes. And, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's nothing too demanding in terms of uh, the amount of knowledge you have to jam in your head because it's just waiting for the ideal weather conditions which unfortunately we we don't have at the moment at the air show here for the balloon at least yeah no it's uh, it's not really ideal for some of the performers either matt matt hall was saying to us yesterday about 30 knots across the runway so uh, yeah that's that was keeping him uh, pretty occupied up there yeah i'm sure it keeps them on their toes but uh, we just don't even get airborne when it's uh, anything like this because 
Uh, something I was told uh, a, a little while ago, it's better to be on the ground wishing you were in the air than in the air wishing you are on the ground. Oh, very much so. And with a balloon, if you're trying to tether anything over five knots, it's not a good look, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. It, uh, it, screaming children is not what we're... Uh, <laughs> aiming to achieve and, and screaming pilots definitely isn't. <laughs> that's a personal request don't that's, that's right <laughs> so uh, how many hours have you got in the uh, balloon now i've got about 70 hours now okay. uh, i've been doing it for a year but 30 35 40 hours is tethered flight yeah because that's primarily what we do with the air yeah. force balloon is uh, go out to ag shows uh, school fates, school visits, yep. events like this. Uh, ideally, we'll uh, get in there and tether so yep. that the people can talk to Defence yep. Force, uh, particularly Air Force personnel. So okay. there's there's a, at least one pilot, and generally in the ground crew we have people from a clerical background yep. or uh, a, uh, an aircraft technical background. So. Uh, if you don't want to be a pilot in the Air Force, we bring people yep. to the communities that they can talk to about other things to yep. do in the Air Force. So yeah. that's, that's our bag. That's yep. why we exist. That's awesome because uh, yeah, we've been making sure that people are aware when we're talking to folks in the Air Force. It's not all about the pilots, maintainers, aircrew. There's also a very large logistical arm, admin arm. Everything yeah, exactly. Uh, we, that's that's the front end that yeah. everyone sees, yeah. but the front end can't do the job unless it's got everyone in the background yeah. supporting it. Yeah, exactly. So how do you get your crew? Are they volunteers? All our crew are reservists. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the only full-time person, and yeah, they've all volunteered to come and be part of the balloon. Yep. Uh, primarily, we have uh, Canberra-based people, okay. but we have a few people that come from over at Wagga yep. uh, also to get involved. And uh, it's handy to have that broad spectrum. And the guys from Wagga, two of them, are also responsible for training our ground technicians at okay. the, uh, the the School of Technical Training over there. So okay. they are current with what is happening in, in the, the yep. technical trades yep. as well in, in defence. So it's, it's really handy to have those guys on board. Oh, yeah, good PR as well as uh, yeah. good ground crew. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just grab a line and hold on. No, no. <laughs> we, we like to keep the experienced ones. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, have you done any gliding, mate? No, it's, uh, that's something I haven't done yet. Uh, it's not to say I won't, but... Uh, yeah. The time commitments uh, with the balloon and, oh, and I've got a young family. Yeah, I, I yeah. think uh, I'd get yeah, I'd yeah. get shot if, if I then <laughs> went and spent a weekend out gliding down at Cooma or places yeah. like that. Yeah, but maybe it sounds like there's a need for an RWF glider perhaps. Uh, perhaps not. <laughs> I mean, the, the balloon for us is ideal because we stay in the location, yeah. whereas a glider is just the same as uh, like a fast jet, only, only slower obviously, but <laughs> it, you just get to see it zoom by and that's about yeah. it, whereas the balloon is all about the interaction between defence people and the community okay. rather than just a, a passive uh, watching, watching things fly past. Okay, so how many hours have you got in total in fixed wing and, and in rotary? Uh, a little over 5,200 now. Okay, and most of that was fixed wing? Yeah, most of it's fixed wing. I've only got uh, a little over 850 uh, okay. rotary hours. Okay, and would you say that your uh, time uh, flying the balloon, has how's that helped you with your other flying? Well, I see there's a lot of parallels between balloon flying and helicopter flying. Yeah. Um, but the, the big thing is ballooning has taught me patience <laughs> and flexibility, uh, <laughs> which, you know, in, a, in an aeroplane or a helicopter, if you want to go somewhere, you turn, point and go there. Yeah. Whereas the balloon, you've got to really be on your toes and use the different levels yeah. to get you where you think you want to go. Uh, and then you've just got to accept at the bottom of the, uh, the landing roll, well... <laughs> you just accept where the wind takes you to yeah. a certain degree yeah, exactly. and always have an option yes always, yeah. always have multiple yeah. choices otherwise you've got a course of action and that's not necessarily going to work for you 
Well, having uh, spoken about yourself and so on, now let's have a chat about the uh, Air Force balloon. Um, who manufactured that one? Our balloon is manufactured by uh, the Kavanagh yep. Balloon Company uh, up in just to the north of Sydney. So yep. it's an Australian product yep. uh, in the main. We, we have uh, our burners or our engine system yep. is made by uh, Thunder and Colt. Okay, so yep. that's uh, the, the UK company. Which ones have you got? We've got the Stratus burners. Okay, yeah. 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 yeah they're nice. I, I like them. A yeah. little bit quieter than the, uh, the other burners and yep. um, yeah, yep. very easy to use. And uh, it's about, you said it was a 105? Yeah, it's 105,000 cubic feet. Uh, a little over that, yeah. but it's uh, to equate it to something that people, I guess, would understand. It's about 1.2 times the size of an Olympic swimming pool. <laughs> so you've got that much uh, sail space or spinnaker yeah. above yeah. you. Uh, it's fairly light, yeah. obviously lighter than air, but it's a big spinnaker. So yeah. a little bit of wind goes a long way. So that's why we're very careful about when we go uh, and do the tethering, yeah. and why we give ourselves a, a fairly good limit there of, of five knots anything yep. more than that and it just starts to get untidy and um, yeah uncomfortable yeah it starts rocking and rolling and yeah, yeah no one really likes that no it, uh, yeah a little bit of dynamics yeah you don't want that in a no, balloon no no nice and stable yes yeah okay oh, is there anything else you'd like to say while we've got you here oh no i'll just um happy to be down here would love to be uh, able to go and uh, take some some of the public up for tethered flights but uh, yeah. like I said ballooning has taught me patience we'll just wait and see what the weather gives us but uh, I encourage people to come on out to the air show and yep. enjoy the rest of the spectacular cool squadron leader Phil O'Donnell thank you very much no worries at all thank you thanks Well, it's windy, it's raining, it's Avalon, and it wouldn't be Avalon if we didn't get a chance to catch up with Owen's up. Owen, how the hell are you? Great, thanks guys. It's great to be here cool. in this lovely Victorian weather. Oh, well, yeah. We just caught you between mouthfuls of hamburger, and we thought we'd ambush you with an interview, see what you've been up to like, since we spoke to you last. Yeah, been up to a fair amount, obviously. Uh, been continuing to do air tests for Australian Aviation magazine, and... Uh, writing a number of training articles also for magazines overseas as well okay. as well, well as the full-time job of flying aeroplanes so no it's been a busy time yeah definitely are you allowed to tell us uh, what kind of air tests you've been on recently well this morning uh, the new Cessna Citation CJ4 and we uh, departed out of Avalon at around 9 30 10 o'clock this morning and went down to King Island did some air work and ended up in Essendon so I've just sort of got out of a cab ride back from Essendon so it was a far more enjoyable trip across than coming back in a cab but still uh, it was worth it to get to fly the CJ4. Cool. I've had a bit of weather today Owen so uh, how'd you go doing air tests in this sort of uh, weather? I imagine it was a bit choppy up there. Yeah no it wasn't too bad at all the cloud tops were around uh, from memory around four to five thousand feet and which was around the freezing level and uh, above that it was a beautiful beautiful day yeah clear blue skies yeah, the, above, the, right? the downside is you have to come back down into this <laughs> but um and base at essendon i think was around three thousand feet so we got in no sweat there at all either okay now uh, i understand from chats with you previously that uh you actually had to skip something to go fly that cj4 are you allowed to talk to us about i that? can talk to you it could hurt um <laughs> yeah i was to fly in the t6 texan 2 which is uh uh, under observation, you can say, for, for military contracts, tandem seater, fully aerobatic turboprop, which would have been a lot of fun, but um, the Citation CJ4 was, was equally important in terms of getting the air test completed, and um, Chief Editor Jared Frawley, I believe, got the run in the, the oh, T6 today. So. Oh, you got gazumped. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, if you call flying a beautiful aeroplane like CJ4 being gazumped, then I, yeah. I'll, I'll take that any time. <laughs> That's not a bad second. Yeah. 
Oh, congratulations to Jared, mate. If you're listening, well done on getting the uh, Texan ride because that's a basically a PC9 on steroids, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. That, that, that's a, a good way to paraphrase it. So um, you never know what comes next. Yeah. You never know what comes next, and that's one of the joys of this job. I get to fly everything from you know light sports twin seat aircraft right through these business jets. So. Yeah. Uh, I'll never complain about what I, I don't get to fly because I'm lucky enough to fly a lot of other aircraft. Okay, so apart from the fancy biz jets, Owen, and uh, we know you do a lot of air tests, uh, perhaps some of the more recent GA aircraft you've been testing. Uh, off the cuff, currently in the current edition, we've got the Tecmam 2008, uh, which is a two-seat, could be LSA or, or VH-registered aircraft, which was very impressive. I flew that up at Redcliffe around the time of, the, just after the Brisbane floods, actually, and that... that memory that sticks in my mind there is how far the muddy waters extended out to sea but uh, it, it was a, a wonderful little aeroplane to fly as well uh, and I was about to fly the Piper Sport at the same time but it was based at Gatton okay. Gatton obviously was Got subject lights. to the floods but yeah. the Technam was probably one of the more recent uh, light sports aircraft. I also test flew a Cozy which is a four seat canard aircraft. Oh. Tazzes out at around 160 knots and that was particularly interesting seeing how a canard stalls. It gen- goes into a gentle oscillation like a a shopping centre ride as opposed to the standard Buffett nose drop and if you hold the stick back and power up you can actually oscillate and climb. I was uh, talking talking with the uh, chief pilot for Piaggio we're sitting in the um, in the cockpit of the Avanti 2 yes and that is the same it's not technically a canard because the canard doesn't move no. but same thing the nose will stall and he was saying it's a full oscillation I was talking I went in the uh, Piaggio yesterday afternoon at about five o'clock and okay. um, I asked him the same point we didn't get to practice that yesterday <laughs> but um, it, it was a, a wonderful quiet aeroplane as well yeah so, you said it was very quiet so yeah. you, were, you were in it for the when they got they flew it yeah yeah yesterday okay. afternoon and I, I took a photo out of the wing looking uh, out of the window looking back at the wing and sent it to friends saying guess what I'm in <laughs> I got some very novel answers short wing and no propeller <laughs> nice and mate, just quickly the last time we saw you down here in Melbourne was when you were uh, about halfway around on the there and back tour uh, what's become of the Jabiru, do you know? Uh, the Jabiru, my understanding is that uh, the owner of Jabiru Aircraft has made it his personal aeroplane. I'll have to go up and confirm that. That was the plan, I remember That, you that was the year. plan when I arrived back in Bundaberg, but I do see Jabiru J230 up there at the moment, and um, yeah, it, it was a wonderful aircraft for a wonderful trip. And uh, hopefully I'll get up to the Wide Bay Air Show at Bundaberg in July and, and get reunited with it all, but temporarily. Yeah, and how's plans for the next adventure? Is Mrs, Mrs Owens up... Uh, uh, allowing you to go on any more adventures oh, anytime should, soon? I'm a very fortunate man, but the, <laughs> the, there are other, are other adventures in the works, but they, they'll they be significantly bigger, so they require significant more planning. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that as things come to hand, but for the meantime, three days in Avalon, I think that's a pretty good leave path. Oh, right. cool. yeah, 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 you're right. doing well on that. <laughs> I'm going to pay for the six days we're here. I know I'm going to pay for that. So oh, yeah. Especially as uh, your wife is a commercial pilot, so I know she'd probably like to be down here as well, having a look at things. Yeah, she would. She would, but um, someone has to watch the kids at the moment so I, I was lucky enough to come down here so it's um we do do a lot of air shows and things together as well yeah so we're, we're very very lucky and i'm very lucky she's so understanding of, of my passion cool well owen we uh, probably got to let you go before your hamburger gets icicles on it and we all get wet here in the rain but uh, great to see you here at avalon and uh, we'll catch up again soon great great to speak to you both and have a great avalon we're here with uh, squadron leader louise burr and uh, louise how long have you been with the air force Oh, I've been um, in the Air Force since I was about 21, so that makes it about 10 years. Okay, and you're totally married into the Air Force as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yep, I'm married to a pilot. 
So, okay. yeah. Cool. As if, as if it wasn't bad enough being in, she's married. I know, <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Lucky me. Now, uh, you're, uh, at the moment, you're helping out with some PR work, but yes. you're also typically uh, found working on uh, airfield construction and so on. Yeah, I'm an airfield engineer by trade, so, but... Um, to get co-located with my husband at Williamtown, I've taken a staff officer job for the commander of Air Combat Group. Okay. So, so what's it like doing all the airfield construction things? Oh well, I I haven't um, done it for a few years because okay. I've been um, I guess I've been at Air Combat Group for quite a while. I do help out though with the base effort engineering task because I'm okay. the only effort engineer on the base at the moment. So yeah, it's interesting. We I haven't done airfield construction as such, but I help with maintenance of facilities, okay. maintenance of airfields and that, and that sort of thing so okay. a lot of pavement work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> got, to, got to beef up the pavement for the c17s and all but, that that's right and and um you know a lot of our work also revolves around paperwork to try to get facilities constructed yep. and and the business cases behind that so funding okay. and that sort of thing yeah. cool so what kind of career progression are you looking at in terms of from here on uh well i'm happy in a combat group for the moment my career is going to depend on where my husband gets posted yeah so because his career takes priority so at the moment i'm working part-time okay. um, we've got a young son at home so oh, cool. but yeah i mean in the next couple of years it'll probably take us to canberra for maybe um maybe some higher headquarters work or um you know the infrastructure development yeah. agencies where they do facilities work and big capital projects okay yeah now, a very very important question for you um, you've been assigned to uh, look after us and, and take care of all our needs. I imagine that's been very stressful for you. Uh, no, you guys have been great. <laughs> very nice of you to say. No worries. You've been a little bit demanding this afternoon, I know. No, but, no, uh, you haven't been at all and I've been happy to help. It's a bit different to my day job, so I don't mind doing this at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Well, we really appreciate the help that you've given us to our show. And for our listeners, it's our listeners is what the show's all about, so great. we really appreciate that. No, help. happy to help. Thanks, Louise. No problem. Cool. And now it's time for Timbo's Tarmac. Timbo, how's your day been? Uh, busy today, very hectic, but a, a good afternoon. That's what the guys enjoy doing is moving some planes around. Cool, and you've got quite a lot here to move, mate. Tell we have, yeah. It's been a bit of a juggling act, but uh, that's what we do, and we haven't missed our slots yet, so everybody's happy. Well done. Now, we're standing in the lee of a uh, beautiful Sea Fury here, and I've just been introduced to Gus, the pilot. And yep. He's going to uh, have a chat to us over the course of the weekend, which is awesome. Now, uh, I'm also seeing that uh, we've got the Media Vampire and uh, Sabre flying today. Yes, they've all been up. Uh, we've had those three up, and then we've also had the P-40, the Boomerang, uh, the Spitfire, and the P-40 all flew together. Yeah, and the Sea Fury. And the Sea Fury. So, yeah. yes, no, so it's been a great day. That's awesome. Anything else of interest today? The Harvards are still yet to go up. They're going yeah. up in a little while. Yeah. Uh, the Hudson won't fly till tomorrow. Okay. But it's good to see that they managed to make it in with, despite the crosswinds. Yeah, no, it was good this morning. It was a very easy wins today, so no problems to get that back in this morning. Yeah, just been chatting with Steve Deeth, and we'll uh, catch up with him over the weekend about uh, all his exploits flying these aircraft. Yep, no, so, so it's been a good day all flying, and they'll continue to fly over the weekend, so it looks like a good weekend. Cool, thanks, Timbo. All right, mate, you see take you later. Care, mate. Ciao. And now it's time for In the Keyhole with Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf, what kind of day have you guys had in the keyhole? Pretty reasonable one. We haven't been overly busy, but uh, it's starting to liven up a little bit now with the show on. Uh, so far today, we've had uh, a couple of Dakotas in, DC-3s, uh, a Herc, which came back from Canberra this morning uh, after leaving yesterday. Uh, C-17, we've had, well, we had to move it out this afternoon uh, so they could do an engine, quick engine run and we decided we'd leave it where it is in the, the loop at the moment. Okay. So 
before he does his show. Yeah, well, no point bringing o'clock. him back in when you're going to bring him out in an hour. That's right, so, yeah. Right? yeah. And because we've got the crowd around now, it's uh, we're extra careful about what we do. We don't start them up in the loop or in the keyhole anymore. Yeah. We tow them out onto the loop and uh, to an area where the people can't get close to them. So uh, he's out there now, ready to go. The Spartan has done his thing oh, yeah. and he's going to hold on the hill until we get the C-17 airborne then he'll, we'll tow him back in and put him into his hidey hole for the night <laughs> and Connie uh, arrived last night uh, yeah. along with the Neptune yep. the Dakota and well yesterday afternoon the uh, Catalina came in so yep. all the Haas aircraft are here yep. So I'll give the Della Hundy boys a plug. <laughs> uh, they're a pretty good mob. Yeah. And they put on a good show. Yeah, it's great uh, to have them here. Yeah, so uh, we're looking forward to having seen what the night show itself is like. Yeah, what do, what do you guys got to do with the night show? What's what's involved for you? Well, about the only thing for us is to see Connie out. We'll okay. tow her out, get her started and see her out and then back in. Okay. But, uh, the Haas bikes do all the hard work. We just make sure the people are out of the road. And <laughs> make sure they don't uh, collide with anything keep, and look, right, you know, yeah. coordinate all the machines. Yep, that's right. Cool. Okay, well, it sounds like you've had a pretty fun day. Uh, we're we're going to bug out here and uh, come back early in the morning, so I'll come and see you tomorrow, Arvo. Righto. I look forward to seeing you again. Cool. Thank you, Papa Smurf. And what a sound, Grant. What a good way to finish the day with the sound of the PC-9s of the Royalettes flying overhead by the sounds. Yeah, it certainly appears that way. We're actually inside the media space once again. And uh, we're wrapping up the day and about to head home. We're not sticking around for the night show. We need to get our rest recharged because we've got a big weekend ahead of us. And uh, that's definitely the Royalettes, mate. Yeah, fun show today. Um, now we've done a lot of recording. I think we've spoken yep. to every jet jockey crew in the entire air shows this week. <laughs> so it's uh, been a very, very busy day. And uh, we, we've tried to sort of uh, change it up a little towards the end and ask some different questions. So, uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, we've got video of all that too. So uh, yep. when Steve Pam goes home and in, uh, he, he reckons he's going to have a uh, have a uh, session with his family tonight, but uh, he's got so much video, he's going to have more editing to do than I do, mate. Oh, mate, that's that's hard to believe that anyone could have more editing to do than you, mate. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been great. Having Stephen Pam with us for the last four days has been absolutely awesome, and he's done an incredible job for us with the, um, with the videos and especially his daily updates that he's been uh, putting up on the YouTube channel for us yeah well we've got to make sure grant that we put a link in the show notes to uh steven's website because he does do photography for a living yeah and uh, he also produces some uh, community tv on channel 31 so uh yep. that's all to do with dogs actually nothing to do with aviation but no, uh, yeah. town tv yeah that's right so yep. uh, anyway we'll make sure we get the links in there now uh, grant it was great to catch up with that one's up and we popped that in there and also uh, poor old uh, louise bursch boy yep. we ran her ragged today so that's like, right <laughs> that's right mate squadron leader louise bursch she's been uh, helping out uh, flight lieutenant sky smith who's our usual liaison and uh, yeah Louise came along and uh, took a bit of load off uh, Sky to help us out getting us through the uh, fast jet uh, pilots and uh, absolutely brilliant help from her and also from Sky couldn't have done all this without them and uh, Grant uh, now we've noticed uh, coming in not only the public today but there's been some more RAOS aircraft coming in today and uh, some more GA aircraft so yep. we're going to uh, try and make a bit of an effort over the next uh, couple of days to get out and talk to those guys we've done a lot of heavy metal and a lot of military stuff yep. but uh, of course that's been the main focus of this air show being the 90th anniversary of the Royal Australian Air Force so uh, anyway we're going to sort of put that to one side uh, for the most part for tomorrow's quick cast and uh, we'll see how we go for some more GA and RA for all you guys that are looking for some content
content there. Yeah, and just to help out on that, uh, not quite GARA, but uh, not heavy metal, we're going to go for some old metal, and uh, we're ho- fully hooking up with the Tamora guys to get uh, Guy uh, Guy Burke, Steve Deeth, um, Alan Arthur. Uh, we're also going to get Gus with his Sea Fury and uh, the guys flying the uh, Sabre, the Meteor, and the um, the Vampire as well, if we can, if uh, Judy's around. So uh, we'll get a lot of Warbird action for us. Absolutely, folks. Well, we'll call that one a wrap for today. And uh, two more days to go, Grant. We think we'll make it through. Oh, yeah. I think we need an early night tonight and a good sleep in, but uh, we're not going to get either. So what the heck? That's what Red Bull's for. Although, you know what? I can't find Red Bull anywhere here. I can't even find a can of Mother. Yeah. Well, gee whiz, you must be in withdrawals. I know. I think I may, be, may need to go down to the bar. I think maybe that's where they sell it. Lucky there's uh, lots of good coffee here in the media centre. Well, oh. that wraps up day four here at Avalon, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cheers. You've been listening to Playing Crazy Down Under, recorded live at Avalon 2011. Proudly brought to you by Aviation Advertiser, with classified ads starting as low as $39. Connect with Australia's largest buy and sell aviation community, aviationadvertiser.com.au. Show notes, links to our forum, Facebook fan page, YouTube channel and our PCDU Twitter feed can be found at our website, playingcrazydownunder.com. Contact us with feedback, story ideas or advertising inquiries. Drop us a line anytime. Playingcrazydownunder at gmail.com. Playing Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies online media podcast. Music.